Hello and welcome at Book Lovers Companion, dear listeners. My name is Edith and as you can see right next to me is not the chattering teacup, not our CEO, it's just me. The teacup sends her regards, she has a cold and I'm the one to blame. But here with me are five lovely ladies. Hello, ladies, and welcome at Book Lovers Companion. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Edith. Hello. Hello. Good evening. Thank you for having us. <laughs> It's a pleasure to have you. Two returning guests and three new guests. So, ladies, before we started the broadcast, I asked you to introduce each other. So, Sarah, I'm asking you, To oh, introduce, no. <laughs> yes, to introduce Marian for us. Oh, brilliant. Um, so, <laughs> good luck. On the middle of the screen is Marian Todd, the author of, I don't know how many books. How many, how many books have you written, Marian? Um, eight and a half, uh, seven, seven are out. Yeah, so she's the author of seven books set in Scotland. Um, Yeah, high, highly acclaimed books, bestsellers. <laughs> well done. I like that. That sounds great. Thank you. Okay. Splendid. Marian, may I ask, do you, ask you to introduce Rachel? Certainly, I'd love to. Rachel Lynch is the author of the D.I. Um, Kelly, Kelly oh, Potter, something. <laughs> Thank you. That's the one <laughs> series. <laughs> which um, are detective novels set in the Lake District, very thrilling. And her latest book is a standalone called The Rich, which is mm. it's my favourite cover of the year. It's so glorious. And you should read it because it's fabulous. Uh -huh. Oh, Rachel, <laughs> uh, would you? Rachel, <laughs> splendid. And would you be so kind and introduce Sheila to our guest <laughs> listeners? Oh, with pleasure. So, um, Sheila, there's an argument in our house about your second name. I know it's Bugler, but 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 my husband was in the light infantry and he wore a bugle on his cap. So that was his cap badge. So he calls you Sheila Bugler. I'm so sorry. But... <laughs> <laughs> so, Sheila, how many books have you written? So I've had nine books published. My 10th book is coming nine. out. I found out today on the 18th of April next year. So Ooh, I've just I read um, Sheila's latest, uh, Black Valley Farm, which I absolutely adored. I thought it was fabulous. Uh, I love the cover and and the cover is just so atmospheric, just like the, you know, the, 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 the farm and the whole setting. But a lot of it is set out of um, Black Valley Farm, isn't it? Without giving away sort of too many spoilers yeah um, but yeah I absolutely loved it told from lots of different points of view um and yeah we've we've known each other for what a couple of years now fellow Canelo author um and yeah that's Sheila oh Sheila may I ask you to introduce oh yeah it happens sometimes the internet maybe the weather is also not that good on on our end Sheila could you introduce Jeanette to our audience Oh, such a pleasure to introduce Jeanette. Um, so Jeanette is, um, first of all, an amazingly gorgeous person. Um, she's also a brilliant crime writer, 
I've only read one of her books. Jeanette, I think you've had three books published. Is that right? Anyway, um, I think you've nine, but three is five. <laughs> <laughs> nine books published. Um, I've read her most recent book, which is called The Crew, which is absolutely stunning. It's set on a yacht the, in the world of kind of <clears throat> super yachts. It's absolutely brilliant. Ooh. It's dark, it's clever, it's full of brilliant characters, and um, she's hugely talented. That's because she's published nine novels, kind of. Splendid. Jeanette, last but not least, could you introduce Sarah to us? Yes, this is the lovely Sarah Ward. <laughs> um, I don't know how many books you've published. <laughs> I know it's a lot and I've read um, Sarah's most recent which is The Sick Lie which has only just been released last week um, Mallory Dawson book number two the first one is The Birthday Girl and it's an excellent series yeah. and I can't wait for book number three. Oh, yeah, oh thank have, you just have to read book number two myself but Oh, I'm getting there. I'm Do. getting there. I promise. I Very promise. <laughs> and I know that you ladies know each other and have known each other for a while. How did that happen? Who would I like to start? Sheila. Oh, yeah. I think Sheila brought us together. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so Sheila, you, you asked me a question, didn't you, about, um, was, it, was it just something about Canelo? Or, and then yes. we arranged to meet in London, didn't we? So I had been, and um, so I got published by Canelo, um, who at that time had also published Marion, Jeanette, and Rachel. Oh, mm -hmm. um, and um, I'm not sure how myself and Marion became friends, but we did very quickly. We became really close friends. So there was kind of myself and Marion. Then I contacted Rachel with some random question and we started chatting. I was so in awe of Rachel because she's hugely successful. So I felt really kind of quite proud about contacting her. Um, and of course, she was lovely. And then we went and we had a beautiful lunch in London. And then myself, Rachel and Marion started a little chat group. And then Jeanette became part of that. And then Sarah did Ooh, as well. Yeah. And, um, and, and actually, um, it's just been a classic example of women doing what we do best, which is supporting each other, mm -hmm. having fun together. We're, we are, this is my... They, these are my guys. These are my safe little crew of people. <laughs> when the going gets tough, you are who I go to. We make each other laugh like you wouldn't believe, but we absolutely support and cheer each other on as well. It's been mm. so lovely. You yeah. said what, what you women do best in here, I thought you would say uh, murder people. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we're not going to tell people. you about that. <laughs> <laughs> Crime writers really are the nicest bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I, I I fully agree. I fully agree. And uh when or how do you be, do you guys meet in person? Can well, I say I've never met, met any of yeah. any of the <laughs> No Sarah, oh, Sarah hasn't met us yet. Oh. I haven't met them in real life. Uh, any oh. of them. Because um, there were two meetups this year. There was a Canelo party when I had COVID, and mm. then there was a uh, Harrogate. And I, was, I moved house um, like two days before, so unfortunately, I haven't met them. But actually, you know, in the modern day, it's uh, 
you know, online and uh, chatting on in the group. You do. I feel I know them really well, even though we haven't met in real life. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah I see. Twenty twenty four. Sarah is going to be there. <laughs> oh. no, no choice either, Sarah. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Did I have a bit of a reputation for kissing people when I meet them? And um, so Sarah is quite quite a lot of kisses from me. Maybe that's why Sarah has stayed away so far. She knows them. <laughs> ah, yeah. I see. I she, see. She's running out of chances to avoid Sheila's kisses. <laughs> we, we, we're starting to see through it. Ah, I'm coming for you, Sarah. <laughs> And may I ask? <laughs> I look forward to that. I, I, I'm also most interested to to know or hear from you, learn from you. When did you know that it would be crime you are going to write about? Can you pinpoint the moment when you realized, okay, now I'm going to sit down and write a crime novel? Marion, when was it for you? When did you realize this is going to happen? It was when I read um, a Kate Atkinson novel called One Good Turn which is a literary crime novel, and it's set in Edinburgh during the Edinburgh Festival. And it's told from multiple points of view, um, and you've no idea why all these different people are in the book. And suddenly it's, it's like a piece of weaving as mm -hmm. with all these different bobbins of thread. And as the book goes on, they come together and make this incredible pattern until the last page when you go, oh, I get it. And I, I thought, I mean, I would never say, um, ever that I would be anywhere near the quality of Kate's writing, but it made me realise that is what I want to do. I had read lots of crime and I loved it. It's always been my favourite, but I thought you had to be really clever to write a plot and conceal it from the reader. I am living proof that that is not the case. You don't have to be really clever. Um, but that book was a light bulb moment for me. I'm so glad I read it. Mm -hmm. Rachel, what about you? Um, well, I I tried a few different genres, and um, and oh. I was trying to get an agent, um, and I like Marion. I'd I've read crime uh, for you know forever. I'm a massive crime fan, uh, th just general thriller fan, um, and I and also like Marion. I I just assumed that uh, crime writers were just in sort of a league of their own, and that was sort mm -hmm. of the holy grail of of, uh, of entertainment, really. Um, and, and I just thought I'd give it a go. And when I did, that's when I got my agent. So I'm so glad that I did. And I took the risk, uh, you know, and, and, and made that sort of leap. Um, and, uh, and when I, when I got my agent and we met, uh, you know, he, it was, it was him who said that this first book could be turned into a series and that's when it took off really. So, yeah. Hmm. Sarah, what about you? What about your moment of realization? Um, so I, um, I didn't really want to write anything else. So it was always crime fiction. I mean, I read lots of different things, but I, I always wanted to write crime. Um, and I was living in Greece, Athens in Greece, really, really hot. And I was a bit homesick, really. And I'd read loads of crime novels and it was actually quite hard for me to get books. Uh, it was kind of pre-Kindle. So um, mm. I thought, oh, I don't have huge amounts to read. Let me try write something. And uh, that I wrote my first book uh, in, in, in Greece. And if you can imagine, like 40 degree Mediterranean heat. 
and I wrote the coldest book I could possibly do, write and it was called In Bitter Chills in the really cold Derbyshire weather because I was just so hot and uh, yeah so I always wanted to write crime there was no sort of major moment I've just loved mm. crime ever since Nancy Drew you know in, uh, mm. as a child <laughs> okay Sheila what about you uh, so, well, yes, I mean, I've always loved crime, uh, but when I started writing, I knew I wanted to write. I didn't know I wanted to write crime. And a little bit like Marion, really, my kind of light bulb moment was Harlan Coben. I was, I had started to write and I was writing, I I, I think, without, I, I thought I wanted to write chiclet and kind of rom-com type fiction. Um, and then I read a Harlan Coben novel and I suddenly thought, oh my God, this is what I want to do. And like Marion, I, I don't think I... I am Harlan Coben, or write like him, uh, but that was my light bulb moment. And ever since then, uh, that's all I've wanted to do. And now, and I don't know for anyone else here, but um, I can't really see myself ever being any other type of writer. I really feel like if you cut me open, you'd see crime writer kind of written through my body. <laughs> Police tape. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and you all do it so well. Jeanette, what about you? I was writing in no particular genre um, at all. And then I read The Wicked Girls by Alex Marwood. And it again, it was like a light bulb moment. Um, yeah. And I hadn't been published or, or anything. And I, I wrote her a fan email. I said, this is a, a brilliant book. And she was really kind, really receptive. Um, and now... That must have been about 10 <laughs> years ago. Now we share the same agent. So it's, oh, and I'm firmly in this genre and I can't imagine being anywhere else, really. Mm. 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 What a lovely full circle moment. Yeah. That's mm. exactly it. Yeah. Full circle. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And at the teacup and I were wondering because. That's a question we always think about when we read the news or when we hear something on the news. So I have to ask you this. Was there ever or what was the most outlandish, the most ludicrous, uh, the most absurd report story you ever read or heard, be it in the papers, be it on TV, where you thought, oh, I can't put it in my book because nobody would ever believe that? Ooh. I have one. I, I have one. So when, <laughs> so I used to live, I'm now living in West Wales. Um, but when I was living in Derbyshire, uh, there was a, there was a murder uh, near me of a taxi driver. So um, the, the client got into the car and killed the taxi driver. And his motive was he wanted to find out what it was like to kill somebody. That was it. Go on. <laughs> And it's like, can you imagine putting that in a book? It's like completely random and yeah. just unbelievable. You know, no one would believe it. And yet that was the motive for the killing. And I, even now I think that poor man died because somebody, of somebody's <laughs> curiosity. That was yeah. it. Yeah. Could be anyone else he killed. Mm, yeah, completely. Yeah. Wow. Bad luck. I, I often think when I read about true crime, um, how glaringly, unfortunately, stupid criminals are um, thinking that they're going to get caught. And, um, and I think if, if a lot of those cases were in your books, I don't think they'd convince the reader. 
because uh, like the you know like the lack of motive in Sarah's example, just getting into a cab and killing somebody, it hasn't got the story behind it. No, um, you know. So I think you've got to you've got to have that backstory, haven't you? Um, and I think about some of the crimes that you read, you know, you, you see on the news or you read in the paper and you think that just wouldn't make a story because the criminal is such a halfwit. <laughs> I mean, you could, but it'd be half comedy. <laughs> Maybe that's the future. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? When you think I, of the I have a, a tiny little thing that I've been trying to get in a book for about four books now. And, um, my editor will always say everything in the book has to be there for a reason. You can't just have something thrown in. But there was a true story of, uh, my books are set in St. Andrews in Scotland, and there's a true story um, in the papers of uh, a woman who was just going around the streets with a bottle, randomly hitting people with it for <laughs> no good reason. I, and I want so much to put that in a book, but... I can't, I can't. I just can't think how to do it because it's just so bonkers. It's you know, you ask people like, on a given day for having a bad day as a woman. <laughs> just, <laughs> that's quite the bad day. So I haven't managed to to do that yet. It's not a major crime, but I so want to put it in a book. The menopause killer. <laughs> yes, that actually happened to me. Yeah, that actually happened. Yes. <laughs> That actually happened to me in a library. I was sitting in the library doing some work and someone hit me over the head. And, no. and when I went to complain to the librarians, he goes, he always, he always does that. And it was like, oh, okay. So he oh, well. Wow. Women over the head. <laughs> that was about three years ago. It was, it was quite recent. I oh, know. So you can put that in your book, Marion. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Goodness me. Any other stories you you came across that made you think I no? I think it's for, oh, Rachel, go on. I was I was just going to say that for me it's the little things. Mm -hmm. Like um, this is this is quite. I'm still shocked by this. Actually, I was in London last night um, on a girls' night out, and uh, we were in a bar in the King's Cross area. So you know, really smart bar. And there's been a lot, obviously, in the news lately in the last sort of you know five years or whatever of um, predatory behaviour, um, generally from males towards females. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I've been very aware of it because I've got an 18-year-old daughter. Things were very different when I was 18. Um, and so we were. that's a little bit of context. We were stood at the bar and I was ordering my drink. And this young girl, about the same age as my daughter, leant over. She was the bar woman. She leant over her side of the bar to ask me what I wanted. And the manager, who's the age of my husband, um, who is 50 next year, um, walked past her and massive, just gave her this biggest slap on her backside. And, and I was absolutely... I was disgusted. I was, yeah. I could not believe it that it's 2023. Now, when I was 18, that sort of mm. behavior was just, you know, path the course. Yeah. But mm. in 2023, I was really horrified. And, um, and now I'm thinking that's a fantastic premise for a murder. <laughs> <laughs> Would it be you murdering him or her, do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I think it might be a gang murder. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't fancy that guy's chances. I said to yeah. her, um, is that okay? 
and she and she she laughed and she said, "Oh yeah." And I said, "Are you sure?" And she said, "Yeah." So I kind of, you know, I didn't really, I couldn't, my hands were tied in a way. I didn't want to make a scene, Uh, but it it really Mm. shocked me. Me, it's the little things that I observe Mm. that can trigger uh, a storyline or a motive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you're right, Rachel, because what you were saying earlier, most criminals are pretty stupid. Um, You know, that they're caught quite quickly. Most murders are domestic anyway. Um, yeah. and, and it's, you know, they know who's done it. It's just a case of doing all the groundwork to get the evidence. So what we mm. write is thankfully pretty unrealistic, touch wood. Yes. Yeah. Mm. But then do you also believe that if it's, if, if you've, re- if it's been written about, it's, it's been done because do you, you read some like? really twisted <laughs> things, don't you? Mm. Yeah, that's mm. good. Good point. Um, I'm reading a very disturbing story at the moment. It didn't start out to be disturbing, but it's it's got very, very dark now. And it does make me wonder because it's it's to do with the dark web. And I think, yeah. I wonder how much of this is true. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it fiction, Marion, that you're doing? It is fiction, yeah. Right, yeah. okay. Um. I, I mean, I, I could say which book it is, but then the fact that it's turned very, very dark yeah, would no, be a bit of a spoiler. Don't. So, mm. yeah. Mm. Maybe reality it's, is even worse than anything you yeah. could ever write. Mm-hmm. It's a nasty place, isn't it, the dark web? Mm. Mm. Absolutely. You can I read do a anything. Um, at the moment, and I know Marion has read it, um, BP Walters notes on a murder mm-hmm. and i'm i'm thinking yeah. it's, it's such elegant writing but it's just turned so dark and i think it's it a it? combination hasn't it just and it's 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 like who is such a sort of gentleman it's a brilliant read oh yeah yeah. And and I think that's really, really clever because he he could, you know, his best selling novel was The Dinner Guest, which was a huge success. It was a Sunday Times bestseller. And he could just have kept on doing that, doing these yeah. kind of middle class domestic dark yeah. stories. But this has gone to another place altogether. It's I think it's very yeah, I, I feel like he is because it is the first one I've read of his. And I feel ah, like right. uh, lured me in with beautiful, elegant writing and then gone and then take that. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's... And that, that thing about authors sort of moving into something different because Rachel, I think you're the perfect example of somebody who's moved from your Kelly series, which has been amazing, to something completely different with the rich. Like completely yeah. different. How mm. do you feel and how is it feeling for you at the moment? Yeah, it's 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 feeling brilliant. I mean, it was a real risk, um, and I and I don't think um, that the people who love the rich are my base Kelly fans because I think police procedural fans are you know very loyal to their genre. I th- but that I think to me that was a, that was the whole point. I wanted to discover new readers. Mm. And the psychological thriller market is very different to the police procedural market. Um, 
but but I think that you know I, I th- I'm sure everybody's the same. Where we don't want to stick to one thing, do we? We want to experiment mm-hmm. and we want to play around. Um, and for me, it was after re- after writing uh, ten or eleven police procedurals, I wanted to be naughtier, and I, mm-hmm. I wanted. Um, I wanted the rules to be broken because obviously in a police procedural, you know, your detective is the hero and they always solve the crime Mm -hmm. in the end. There's certain rules and the writing of it is very linear, um, you know, and you've got your forensics and your process to go through. Um, And I wanted Mm -hmm. to break out of that and just sort of throw it up all all up in the air and see how it landed Um, and have a central character that was completely flawed um, which to me is is uh, fed into my, it was more satisfying for me because I feel as though that's a better reflection of real life. Um, so, you know, all all the characters in The Rich are flawed, which is why you're not quite sure, you know, who did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm exploring that at the same time as carrying on with the police procedurals. So it's fascinating because I have to concentrate on which, you know, set of rules that I'm sort of working with at the time. And it's an experiment, really. Mm-hmm. You never know if it's going to work, do you? And I'm sure Barnaby thought the same, you know, when he went, mm-hmm. you know, like if you say he's gone really dark, I'm sure he, mm-hmm. you know, had a moment where he considered, oh, you know, this is a bit different. But you've got sort of got that, you know, need, haven't you, to explore mm-hmm. this, uh, you know, maybe a darker character. But then you and Barnaby did it. So sorry, you did, but I'm just because I'm just thinking Sarah has done it. But Sarah, you've done it under a slightly different name, haven't you? Yes, I wrote two gothic thrillers as Rhiannon Ward. Um, So they've got a ghost story element because I really love ghost stories as well as crime fiction. Um, And you can't normally mix the two. I mean, I know some writers do, but um, generally you like your police procedural not to be, you know, the ghost did it or anything. So (laughs) I I needed to sort of change genre. Um, But I only, actually, I've always got crime ideas. um, But for my ghost stories, I only really had one. And then I thought of another for this follow-up book. But then I couldn't think of a third. Um, I almost like piled everything I wanted supernatural into these. Um, But what's interesting is I didn't bring some of my crime readers to go through the ghost stories because um, not everyone will read a ghost story. Most people will give a a crime novel a go. But um, lots of people say to me, oh, I don't don't want a ghost story. But funnily enough, whenever I do events, and I do quite a lot of events, there's always somebody in the audience who only reads my Rhiannon Ward books. Not interested in crime at all, just likes ghost stories. So it has brought me new readers, but sometimes they don't mix at all. Um, but I love doing it and I will write another ghost story at some point. I just don't have an idea at the moment. Yeah, I, re- I read both. Oh, yes, you did. Thank you, Edith. <laughs> and yeah, and I liked them. Good. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed them. I wanted to ask Rachel, you said the the market is different. Uh, there's a difference between those who read um, police procedurals and those who read... Um, psychological thrillers how is that different can can you explain it a little bit how you think it is different just because uh just looking at um the the reviews of mm-hmm. of both of the sets of my books and and i've got a, a different series altogether which is about a military policewoman as well mm-hmm. um and it was very much in the sort of international spy thriller genre really i suppose um I mean, I've I've got a diplomatic and military background, 
Um, so, you know, that sort of pulled on that as well. And I think it's interesting to see where your readership lands. And certainly just from, uh, like Sarah, just from talking to people at events and looking at reviews and reading feedback, it seems to be the case that, you know, there is a Kelly fan base. Mm -hmm. There is a new rich, uh, you know, sort of readership. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I look back to when I read a lot of crime and I think I did, I did sort of get into particular genres at any given Mm -hmm. moment. Like I used to love ghost stories, Sarah, as well. And I used (laughs) to love horror, you know, and I Mm. I go back to these things, but I tend to read a glut of of a type. So, you know, I'll read police procedurals, then I might read legal thrillers. Um, And so, I mean, not, I'm not, I'm not saying it's, uh, you know, that there are really um, harsh boundaries or anything like that because people do cross over, but people do tend to have their favorites. I mean, a classic example is Patricia Cornwall, isn't it? You know, everybody loves her Scarpetta books, but as soon as she set crime in space, you know, Mm. it didn't sell. Because I think readers want to pick up a, a Jeanette Hewitt or Marion Todd, and 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 they, you know, they 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 want to be, feel safe and they want to know what they're reading. So give them something different. It discombobulates a lot of readers. So it is a risk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think then that um, you should do what Sarah's done and change your name? Uh, did you ever have thought- that, Rachel? <clears throat> I have thought about that, but in the world that we're in, in you know, in digital first, um you you build a brand and you don't want to lose that so yeah. you're hoping to take across with you um and so as if i if i wrote under a um a pseudonym i'd, I'd be starting afresh um yeah. and and the statistics show that a lot of you know readers are sort of at least giving it a go yeah mm-hmm. do you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's a difficult one i don't know what does everybody else think about pseudonyms mm. I, I mean, James yeah. Sorry, carry on. Uh, so, so I used Rihanna, which was my middle name. So it felt like me, but actually mm. I go to events and they've got all my Sarah Ward and they don't even realise Rhiannon Ward is me. So yeah. um, given my time again, I wouldn't have changed it. Um, mm-hmm. There was good reasons behind it because it's completely different from my crime novels. So, mm-hmm. And the Rhiannon Wards aren't often in the cr- crime because they're gothic sort of mm-hmm. ghost stories. They're often just in the general fiction. So, I mean, it's fine. But given mm-hmm. the time again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have changed it, to be honest. Oh, that's interesting. Right, okay. James Oswald, a Scottish crime writer, does um, his, uh, like a fantasy series as well, his Sir Benfro books. And I think they're, I think it's something like J.D. Oswald for them. So it's recognisably him. And Ian Banks did the same thing, Ian Banks and Ian M. Banks for his different. So um, I, I sort of have thought if I changed genre, there's not much you can do with Mary and Todd. It's just kind of Mary and Todd. I don't know how you make <laughs> that more Todd. exciting. <laughs> <laughs> But some writers are very happy. I've know one very well established crime writer who has he's about to embark on his third pseudonym, I think, and he's very comfortable just changing his name every time he moves into a different kind of subgenre of, of crime fiction. Um I think it partly depends on 
Rachel, your point about which publisher you're with, actually, mm-hmm. I think for the digital first publishers like Canelo, and um, it doesn't make that much sense, I don't think, for, for any of us to go changing our names. Mm-hmm. Well, well this is it, because the thing is, is that when as soon as something new is brought out for any of us, then you have with across all of the digital providers, Apple, Amazon, Kobo, um, you have the the series links, don't you? Exactly. So as exactly. soon as something is brought out, then the, the Amazon readership will have all of your um, uh, back, uh, you know, back uh, catalog directly underneath their order. Yeah. So, for, mm. you know. And on a from that point of view, it makes sense to stay to stick with your uh, your own name. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And may I ask you, ladies, because there has been a conversation with a colleague of mine, and he asked me if I read more female writers because he mm. feels as if he reads more male writers. Mm. What is your view on that? Sheila, what would you say? Do you think um, female readers read more female authors? Um, I think possibly. Um, my my big view on that is that I read writers I like, <laughs> um, uh, and um, and certainly for me, I don't think I distinguish too much between whether or not a book is written by a man or a woman. Mm. Um, I read massively across the whole genre of crime fiction. Um, I. However, saying that, um, in terms of what I write myself, I'm very clear, um, and I don't know where this has come from, but I, and I have male readers who like my books, but in my head, my target audience are women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I write female characters for female readers, you know, mm-hmm. and it's lovely. And, and, yeah, I'm not quite sure why that is, but probably because I'm a massive feminist and, um, <laughs> and I'm really interested in writing and exploring female characters. Mm-hmm. What about you, Marian? What is your thought on that? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, in Scotland, we have two of the biggest, most successful crime writers, mm-hmm. Ian Rankin and Val McDermott. Mm-hmm. And I I would say that they're they're very widely read. So, you know, you'll have most men, most men and women. I, I had belonged to a book group that was run by Waterstones for a couple of years before I was published. And every month we read a different novel suggested by their Scottish book buyer. And I found there was, there was a lot of um, older women who went to the book group and they liked the most gruesome books. Um, I, <laughs> I, 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 it was honestly, it was, the, it was the kind of Miss Marple type characters who you almost thought had their knitting in their bags with them, who liked the worst books, torture, kind of, you know, as as dark as you like um so i'm not sure if i've ever if i've observed a pattern really i i am reading at the moment um across the genre as widely as i can and i'm trying very hard not to read two books by the same author because i want to know what everybody's doing so mm. um i'm probably it's probably 50 50 men and women um, mm. i tend to read the ones who are selling lots because they're successful and i want mm. to know what they're doing Mm. Um, so I can do it too. <laughs> mm, good point. Yeah, Jeanette, any any thoughts on that? I'm yeah, like Sheila. I'm I will read as widely as possible, like like Marion said too. Um, but as an author, I went with initials because I'm very aware that there are people who 
either consciously or unconsciously either read male or female. So I wanted to become as, you know, um, just an initial. So that wouldn't happen. Mm. Um, I think though this year I've read maybe 80% women, mm. but I don't know why they're just books that have come on my radar. It's, I don't think that's actually a conscious decision for me because mm -hmm. I will happily read anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sarah, what about you? What do you think? <laughs> Do you know, I'm getting to the age where I can't, can never remember what I've read, to be honest. So I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I think for like the last 10 books I've read. I mean, I think I'm naturally drawn to books by women writers, um, I would say. I, and I think my favourite writers are women writers. Mm. Having said that, there's some crime writers I love. I love the American writer, Jonathan Kellerman. I always mm. read his first book in hardback. Um, so, um, you know, it's not as, as if I don't real, read um, my writers, but I don't read just crime fiction. I really, really like nonfiction. Um, and that's a fairly even spread between uh, men and women. Um, mm -hmm. So I've just read um, Rory Kethlin Jones's Ruskin Park. It's about his sort of family. And, mm -hmm. you know, I really, that's probably going to be one of my books of the year. I absolutely loved it. So mm -hmm. I do like. Um, male sort of you know fiction fiction rich, written by men but i think probably my my favorite writers are women mm. mm -hmm. rachel what it's, about you it's us isn't it yeah <laughs> I, I, yeah i mean i yeah. think it's um like like sheila mm. said I, i i read uh i'm drawn to a book perhaps because somebody's recommended it to me or because of the cover um or like marion um some some you know a book is doing really well and i want to know why um and maybe get some tips um and and it it, it always sort of it's always a, a a quite a fair spread across men and women really and i think there isn't um there isn't a type thank goodness a female writer and there isn't a type of male writer like you know you would expect and i think that it's it's more genre based for me um you know and um there's some there's some male writers who really surprise me um and then you know there's 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 lots of female writers that you know you would think that I'm I might really enjoy but I I don't end up doing so so I don't think it's about gender for me I think it's mm -hmm. about the content mm. and do you think that the view on regarding crime fiction is changing because it has always been looked down upon especially in oh, the really? yeah i think i think especially in the german speaking world you know there is this high because it's not thought, literary yes exactly mm. high literature and there's mm. the other thing you know is But that changing so has it changed popular, isn't it? i think it is it's it's so popular and there's so many um adaptations now um Week by week, they're they're adding more crime fiction novels to to Paramount, Netflix. I think oh. I, I really think it is. I think the opinion is changing on that definitely. As hmm. well, that um, it's such a broad genre. So you know, there's writers like um Chris Wicker, who for me is very literary. Um, a lot of the American crime writers, you know, um, that, that, I think. There's a very blurred line between certain types of crime fiction and, and literary, more highbrow literary fiction. Mm -hmm. And um, for me personally as a writer, I don't think I care. I, mm -hmm. I don't care. 
I want to write books that I love writing and read books that I love reading and sell lots of books. <laughs> I can make <laughs> yeah. And and write books that you would like to read as well, I think. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. That's that's the aim. That's what's changing. I'm, I'm is, certain of yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. I do think though that we read as writers. We don't read as readers. Well, mm. maybe, mm. maybe I don't. Um, I'm constantly analysing what I'm reading and thinking, why do I like this? Why do I not like this? Um, mm. And I kind of, in a way, I wish I could get back the pleasure of reading as a, a reader. Um, but I, I don't think I can switch that off now. Mm. But on that, are you not constantly in awe when you read a book and you know yes. there's a twist coming and you haven't seen it? So I'm reading a Louise Canvas at the moment, and oh. I knew there was a twist. I knew there was a twist, but I couldn't work it out. And when it happened, I literally wanted to just go, wow, I am not worthy. <laughs> I think when we don't see the twist, <laughs> it's really good because we're trained to, to see it. So if we yes. don't, it, it's a really good book. It's really well written. But I, I also like crime fiction without twists as well, though. I like a why done it just mm. as much as who done it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Me too. Um, you know, or, or just a well-written story. And it could be really gently mm. written and very mm -hmm. sophisticated with not many shocks or twists, but it still gets the heart pumping. It's um, the quality of the writing. Yeah, yeah, and it's the feeling yeah. that it evokes, isn't it, as you're going through. And when you when you don't want to put it down, because I do a lot of my reading at night before I go to, to bed, because um, <laughs> I find that's when I'm at my most relaxed and mm -hmm. my mind it, at its most open without all the, the fuss, you know, of the day. So uh, if, it, if I don't want to go to sleep because I want to carry on reading it, and I do. That's such a shame, Marion, because I, I do find myself still getting carried away as a reader. Mm -hmm. I think I do it too. would yeah. really irritate me if I had my, if I was constantly had my writer's head on when I was reading a good book. I think that would really, without swearing, it would really bleep me off. <laughs> I, I don't. You want to throw it across the room? I just yeah, when it's when good. You, when yeah. You're <laughs> <laughs> I found I was looking for a notepad because I'd finished my notepad the other day and I found this A4 pad and I opened it up thinking it was blank. And here was my attempt, probably my third attempt to analyze that Kate Atkinson book that I read because I thought, right, I'm going to mind map this. And I don't like mind maps. It was the only way I thought I could do it. And every single time I did it, I would be on, I would think, oh, I'm on chapter seven and I've forgotten to write it down. <laughs> so. <laughs> Am I allowed but to challenge Marion for a moment? Oh, no. I know. Marion, I've read that Kate Atkinson book and it is astonishingly wonderful. Oh, it's just... And, I, I, and I did not, I did not see, you know, what was coming. I really did. It wasn't a twist, really. I just didn't see it. There is an element of magic in writing. Oh, and I think sometimes yeah. that you can't spreadsheet or mind map or no, the magic... I know you can't, Marion. I'm sorry. Sheila, Sheila. But I just no amount. This disturbing news. The magic is the bit that we can't. Um, that we can't sort of analyze or even recreate. We can create our own magic, but trying to create someone else's. No. 
don't think that I know what you're saying. I, I do know. I do know. You know, I, I am a planner, Edith. I like to plan my books. But even then, you know, they'll, they'll, they will take on a life of their own. Although the yeah. plan is always there in the background saying, back you come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't, isn't that wonderful on the other hand? I mean, although you, you are a planner, you still get surprised. Oh, yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I just what, had a car accident that I didn't know was going to happen. Um, huh? And that's just a little thing. But yeah, it's just these things. Uh, well, that makes me wonder, is it really possible to to plan to the smallest detail? Are there no surprises for people Wait, who say probably. they are, they, are they, they, oh. they, they completely they plan out plan. novels? Yeah, I think you fall into one of two categories, don't you? You either you you're either a planner or a um, well, we call them pantsers, don't yeah. we? You just fly by the seats of your pants. Um, and I think generally, don't doesn't everybody sort of fall into those two categories? Yeah, um, yeah. but you know, Probably, sort of gen yeah. generally, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. pantsers plan, and you know, uh, I mean, exactly. all, all the, obviously, plan, yeah. the the old fashioned way on paper. <laughs> Normally, because yep. <laughs> pantsers tend to be um, te technology averse. Um, so I think you're a bit of both, aren't you? But I think you lean one way or the other. Is that fair to speak? Mm. I, yeah. think so. I think so. I think so. Yeah. I think it's important to listen when the characters try to take over. Hmm. You've still got the final decision, but I think it's a good idea to listen to them. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and uh, would you say that also happens to planners? I mean, I don't know, but mm -hmm. I suppose it does. Yeah, no, I think it does do. And if you read one mm. of Marion, and Marion's a you know a, a consummate planner, but you read her book, clearly the magic is there in the books, you know, mm. and you know the warmth of the character <laughs> that comes from the writing, doesn't it, Marion? That you don't plan sort of those gorgeous interactions between your characters, for example. No, it, yeah, and I, and it's I, very much the, the the you know this happens, then that happens, but but the, the, the none of the human stuff is in there. Yeah, that yeah. that evolves, and and mm. I think that's that's the point, mm. isn't it? It doesn't matter which one you are. It it doesn't affect the 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 feel of the book. It's about what's how the author likes to order their thoughts. That's all it's yeah. about. I think. Yeah. Mm. 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 And what about your characters? I mean, your detectives, your main characters. How much do you know about them before you start writing? I mean, I'm personally, I'm, um, I'm around 60,000 words into a new novel and I feel one of my characters I know intimately and the other one is just coming out. So I know mm -hmm. I'm going to have to go back to the beginning mm -hmm. because now I know her better mm -hmm. and I'm going to be able to write her reactions better now so it's quite a strange journey really mm, okay. i don't know if everyone else um knows them before they start getting the words on the page or if they grow quite organically mm. Mm. i think one mm. of the nice things about going back to a series so my two rihanna moore books were standalones and mm. i just find it found it slightly harder to get into the characters mm -hmm. until quite late on in the process because it was all, you know, sort of 
It was nice that I could throw anything at them. I didn't have, no one had to survive because, you know, I didn't have to bring them into another book. But um, I did find it took me longer to get into the characters where it's great being back into a series because mm. I feel I can pick the character up and sort of, I'm, I'm sure that the other writers agree, you know, you just carry on with them really. And it gives you a chance to really develop the character really mm. through a series arc as well as a book arc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would for, agree. Uh, and for the planning, David asks, um, how much planning is it that happens? Like three page plan or less? <laughs> I okay, Marion, you should so, answer that. Marian. Answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Marion can answer. I'm not a planner at all. Uh, I start and I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Marion, fess up. <laughs> Panic attack. <laughs> um, I, I don't actually, uh, I don't write it, my planner word, I do it in PowerPoint and I do one slide per scene in the book and then that lets me, oh, stop it, that lets me drag the slides around because sometimes things are in the wrong order, you know, you've got Claire asking for the results of a test that hasn't been done yet or something like that or, or you know, they've, they've found a body on the wrong day because I need the body to be at a certain stage. So I have to rearrange when the person was killed. So I drag the slides around and then I'll have about 30 to 70 slides, depending on the plan. And oh, I can I can leave it there. I, what I'm doing at the moment is I'm colouring the slides yellow when I've done that bit. But what I could also do is export the text into a Word document and then that, that could be a plan. Sometimes that sits at the bottom of my novel and as I write a scene, I delete it from the plan. It's I'm Come over to the dark side. It's, it, it can wow. Be, <laughs> tell your listeners I'm, that she's actually a very nice woman. She's not Nothing wrong with being a, a control freak. No, no, I, I can't because I don't because I like to, you know, here's here's more control coming in. I have um created all my own um styles in Word. So I'll have a style for my dates of the week, a style for my chapter numbers, a style, an indent, a non-indent, a kind of center italic for like a text message and stuff like that. And I like to format as I go, the idea of finishing 90,000 words and then having to go back, you know, export it to Word so that I can then format it would just, ah, no. Mm. So, no, I've never, I've looked at Scrivener and I've just decided the lack yeah. of formatting is, is a yeah. too far. Mm. I like it. It's pretty. It's, it's pretty. <laughs> See, <laughs> you, Edith, I, I don't even know what these things are. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally, as Marion was speaking, I was thinking myself and Rachel will be running for the hills. So I'm I'm nearing the end and you can see that I... I no, we can't. Each, no, we can't. You need to put it on camera. Put it in the middle. Uh, the other yeah, way. Yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, better. <laughs> Is that a plan? Is that a plan? End, I, I, yeah. Yeah, that's scene by scene. I'm at the climax now, you can see. And then I, I delete mm -hmm. it when I've done it and print a new one. <laughs> You're my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> you know, seriously, I think Rachel's point is spot on. It's literally about how our individual minds work mm. and how we yeah. sort out 
sort of the approach. It all the end result is all kind of the same, you know, obviously different books, but, you know, the end results in our case are all brilliant. Um, but it is something to do with how our minds work. Can I ask yeah, the pantsers, um, can you sleep at night? Then when you're, if you don't know what, you know, because planning lets me sleep at night. I know what I'm getting up to do the next day and it's fine. Um, but I, if I get stuck, oh goodness, I don't sleep. Wow. I sleep oh, if I get stuck, stuck, I'll move forward in chapter or something. Yeah, yeah oh, that's listen, a great way. Jeanette, Jeanette, you Jeanette. need to tell us about how you write your, your two-handers because that just freaks me out. Well, it's much like what Sarah just said um, because a lot of my books have more than one point of view. So if I get bored with writing one or stuck, I just – start writing the other i do exactly the same exactly yeah. the same. but you do them in different documents oh yeah and then i have to yeah, feed them in yeah. one document when i've finished everything <laughs> yeah no i did yeah. <laughs> see that's, so that's another one character document and another character document and i go between yeah. the two and wow. eventually i'll <laughs> yeah marion marion have you got any whiskey <laughs> I'm gonna have to go and lie down. I'm sorry. I think Marion is quite an anomaly because I heard that you have a spreadsheet for your Christmas dinner. Obviously. <laughs> what, you mean you don't? It's I, I tell you, it's so easy. You just put everything in and you put how long it's got to go, you know, when you want it out is in a, a locked cell, and then you you put everything in, how long it's going to cook, and then you order it by time in the oven, because obviously it's the time cooking time is taken away from the finishing time. <laughs> then you just put it in the order, and that tells you when to do everything. It's duh. And, and, it's and, uh, and, and may I ask how long do your guests have time to eat? I mean, <laughs> <I> also <laughs> an open uh, or do you no, also well, have a, bread you know, a spreadsheet for that soup if it's not if it's not oh. on the timetable it doesn't happen okay <laughs> just answers my question perfect <laughs> <laughs> more questions from the audience not at the moment not yet uh, ladies may I ask you also about um the feedback you get of say from other countries because I know uh, books from you have been translated into other languages do you get also feedback from uh, let's say German the German speaking world or anywhere else <laughs> you might have <laughs> Marian I'm asking because translations are always a bit you know mm. Sorry. I I got one yesterday from Germany. Okay. <laughs> so so I have a Scottish detective called Claire. And um this this review said, well, Brad and and, and Agneta or someone or else, you know, they're they're quite the couple. And she goes off to New Zealand and I'm thinking, what what I, I don't remember writing that. Completely the wrong book. <laughs> so, oh God. And it's a one-star review. It's really funny. <laughs> but it's not my book. Yeah. I definitely have a German reader who hated my German translations of my books and made a really big deal about commenting on every single review site about how much she hated my books. Um, hmm. Yes. 
I don't know what that was about. I should probably just hate my best, right? That's what that was about, actually. No, I suppose it has a lot to do with the translation itself. Mm. Because I get mm. the feeling that uh, publishers don't take that much time for the translation as they did, um, let's say, 20 years ago. Oh, that's interesting. Because it, it doesn't reflect on the author, I think. It reflects more on the publisher and the time they give their, their trans translators how much time they have. Because I've I've spoken to other people uh, from Germany and they are huge fans of Marihana and they've read the for example, they've read the English version and the German version and they were and they were very disappointed by the German translation. Gosh. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. To get a lot to get a well, lot. Well, there's a big translation and... scandal at the moment, Edith, about about the royal family. <gasps> oh, yeah. At the moment. Yes. Oh yes. <laughs> yes, yes I heard that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They've pulled the Dutch the Dutch translation. Yeah. And well, yeah. to be fair, that the translators were being hung out to dry, but they yeah. come to it that as well. Yeah. yeah. Said but how it was in the how original text. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how do you pull names out of thin air if it wasn't in the original manuscript? Yeah. I think it's a pub no. publicity stunt, exactly. isn't it? Sell more exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, but but for it's, let's say works of fiction, I suppose it's a lot of work, not enough time to be careful mm -hmm. with your translation mm -hmm. and a lot of pressure from the publishers to get it out, you know? Yeah. Beatful. It's probably not very well paid. Exactly. Yeah. And like I said, it doesn't reflect on the author. Because when 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 friends of mine compared the the English version and the German version of, of Marihana's books, they said it yeah, the translation wow. is not good. So it's unfortunately. I, I don't I don't think it reflects on the author because, for example, some of our yeah, books exactly. have no. typos in them and. There's not mm. much we can do about it. It's not yeah. our fault, really. I mean, of yeah. course, we might present a manuscript with a few typos in, but it does go through various editing processes. But it's yeah. done by humans, and people yeah. are fallible, yeah, exactly. and you know, we get we can get the yeah. change for the e-book or the next print yeah. run and so on. But I don't yeah. think most people think it's the audience. They do write to us, but they don't actually think yeah. we're responsible, I don't think. Exactly. And I think on the plus side, uh, there are a lot of people these days who read uh, the original versions, especially the younger generations. Yeah. They read more English and they don't need uh, translations that much anymore. Oh, yeah, it's it's an interesting one that because I had um, I went into to see the um, I went into Canelo office a couple of weeks ago and um, and Ian, one of our managing directors, told me that. Um, I'm very popular in Iceland, and I said, "But I'm I haven't been translated." And he said, "No, they buy them in English." Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, my my books are translated oh. in Turkish, um, and I presume they're doing okay because they've just ordered the net, you know, the net the rights to the next one. Mm -hmm. So, so that's good news. But yeah, I mean, I'm not translated in many languages at all. I wish I was. I wish I was, you know, more in mainland Europe, but I'm not as yet. So, mm -hmm. fingers crossed. Mm. Mm. I mean, yeah, Germany is a is a huge market, but like mm. I said, it's not that necessary maybe anymore because there was an article mm. a few months ago where they said that the younger generation uh, speaks better English 
because mm-hmm. of you know Netflix, mm-hmm. Amazon, and and gaming and so on, and yeah, uh, they don't need translations anymore for the older audience. Okay, yeah, but mm-hmm. the younger uh, audience reads in English. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Gosh, well done them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, they put us to shame, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, the the speaking world is huge. I mean, okay, we have what do we have? Let's see, eighty million Germans, nine million Austrians, a few people from Switzerland, a few a few people from Northern Italy. We're not that that many who speak German as a first language, but English yeah. English is taught is taught. Nearly yeah, everywhere. Ev- and everywhere, yeah. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. I said, you have Netflix, Amazon, and so on, and that helps mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's absolutely necessary to learn English, and you are confronted with the English language when you, I don't know, like I said, watch the news or uh, watch a video on YouTube or uh, uh, teenagers when they when they uh, play video games. Mm-hmm. It all... All mm-hmm. happens in mm-hmm. English, so yeah, of course. Okay, yeah, hadn't thought about that. <laughs> And may I also ask you um, about this wonderful fact that crime fiction has so many subgenres? <laughs> is there is there any subgenre in crime fiction? Um, you would like to write in, have thought about writing in, thinking about writing in, but not, have not yet done so. <clears throat> mm. Mm. Yeah. Rachel. <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to write historical crime. That's my dream. I just haven't got time. I've got, I've got loads of stories. I've even got characters all ready to go. Um, And I, and I think I'm drawn to the medieval period, but I just I literally just haven't got time at the moment. But that's my dream. Mm. Interesting. I, I love writing mm. histo- historical. I love doing it. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it, it needs a lot more research than contemporary crime. Yeah. Um, I'd like to write true, uh, a, a, a true, a nonfiction, nonfiction <coughs> uh, book, Edith. Um, so. Um, That's sort of in the background. I don't have time at the moment, and uh, my, my 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 agent is is sort of very good at selling nonfiction. And every idea I've put to her, she said no. I'm still waiting for that germ of an idea, really. But I'd like to write a narrative nonfiction book about a true crime. Mm. Mm-hmm. I want to do a mashup of dystopian and crime fiction. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Ah. I think you yeah. do that. Well, I'm planning to do that from between January and March when I've got a little bit of time. So, but also horror as well. I I do. We mentioned it earlier that horror uh, mash up with crime fiction. Mm-hmm. I think Alex knows that uh, very well, and I think it's it's becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'd like to read both of those. Will you, will you give me the nod when you've done? <laughs> I would definitely like to do a crime fiction book with a ghost story element to it. Um, oh, yes. Uh, yeah. That's been an idea that's been knocking around in my head for a few years. Um, but as we all know, it's very hard to get a publisher to sort of buy into anything that's slightly different to mm. what we're doing already. 
Mm-hmm. I'd love to try um, sci-fi because oh, of the the lack of rules. Oh God, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like the idea of being able to make my own world and my own rules. But the other one that I would really like to do, and I just like you know, it's finding the time, is a courtroom thriller, a legal, mm. a legal one. Um, that's that would be my dream. Um, novel to write but I just you know it's when we're contracted to write books and Canelo like books you know more than one a year it's quite hard to fit in time to kind of experiment with something mm. because with the courtroom you've got to get everything correct haven't you it's yeah. got mm-hmm. to be it's yeah. going to, I would imagine that the research on that would be uh, almost as time consuming as actually writing the book Mm. Yeah, it, and also it's mm. it's you know uh, most court cases are very dull mm. and very pedestrian and slow and mm. and there's not a lot of excitement. And what you really like to read is that big <gasps> gasp yeah. reveal moment. Yeah. Um, mm. And it's it's trying to build a realistic court case. You know, it's bad enough doing mm. a crime that that is mm. a bit look bit unusual, but a realistic court case where there's something. That's a little bit, you know, of a gosh moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's tricky, I think. Mm-hmm. But, but mm-hmm. that would be my dream. Mm. I'm, I'm fascinated by the, um, the 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 concept of concentrating on the jury, Marion. Did you um, did you watch uh, lately the one with uh, Sam Neill? Um, was it called The Eleven or something? Set in New Zealand. Um, and no. it concentrated on jurors rather than it being a courtroom drama. Yeah. It was it was a it was a thriller about the lives of the jurors. That really fascinates mm-hmm. me. Quite yeah, quite I think there's lots of go. there's yeah all the personnel in the court the court building. Yeah. There's there's yeah. you know all these different people. Um, so I think there's there's great potential there, but um, it's time. It mm. is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. When when you yeah. contracted into twenty twenty five, then you know it's it's squeezing it in, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think the easiest book that you ever write is your first, because you're not contracted <laughs> yeah. and you've got all the time in the world yeah. to research and and make it. But once you've got that, once you've got those deadlines, then it's bang bang mm. bang. Mm. Yeah. You have that As we all know. <laughs> Beginning, don't you? You know where you just say, kind of say that again, Sheila. You have that weird flush of optimism at the beginning and energy that I think is just really hard to maintain as we carry on writing and writing to deadlines. It's, it just it's, it's, I mean, I don't know for any of the rest of you, but I find every single book I write is harder than the previous one. Yes. I think you've used oh, up all your good ideas. It, yeah, it fluctuates with me. I've I've had really sticky patches, and then I've had ones where they've just really come, you know, well. Really? Mm. It, it goes up and down, and I don't know whether mm-hmm. it's yeah what I'm writing or if I'm stuck. I don't know. Mm. Oh, I don't, I find it all just so difficult all the time as I keep going. <laughs> I think the last. Oh well, you can't tell, Sheila. Forty percent for me just is is good because by that stage you've laid down all the ground you've done all the groundwork and you know what's going to happen. Well, I I know what's going to happen because I plan. Um, and then it just it's kind of down <laughs> whizzes by. But the first thirty thousand words is like pulling teeth, and that's with a plan. Yeah. I just hate it. 
that's that's interesting that you say that because as a reader you would think oh it's getting easier not harder no oh, I, I don't, don't think, think so mm. interesting I don't know if you can answer that question because David is asking something related to translations if a book is translated does it go through the same editing process again And how much of your books are changed after being submitted? Do you have any ideas on the in this this regard? I think it's up to the translator, isn't it, mm. in the publish in, mm. in the publishing house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I have no control over. I, I don't know how we would know. I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm not fluent enough in anything. Mm -hmm. So what happens is Edith and, and David is that um, the rights for our book is sold to the um, publisher in another country. So mm -hmm. they then have control so i've had mm -hmm. no input or no oversight of all i get is a copy of the book in translation sent mm -hmm. to me when it's mm -hmm. cover mm -hmm. cover i've been consulted mm -hmm. on the cover mm -hmm. okay oh mm -hmm. and i've heard from 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 some authors that sometimes not very often but sometimes a translator contacts them and asks for uh certain aspects mm -hmm. regarding the language they use uh or words or Did that ever happen to to any of you? Not to no. no, no, no. No, it hasn't okay. happened to me. No. Okay. Okay, it's all over to them, and yeah, that's the thing, yeah. isn't it? They buy they buy the rights, so they have the right to. Um, I suppose they've got to because translation isn't perfect, is it? Mm. They've got to yeah, yeah, make it read yeah. well in yeah. that language. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the hard mm. part. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And since since you spoke about it's getting harder when you write more and more books and so on, and if, especially if you're under contract, and what about going indie? Has it ever crossed your minds? Do you mean self-publish? Yeah, self-publish, mm. going independent and... Or not at all? No. no. I think it's there's too much to do, mm. I think. Mm. Um There's barely I do enough know, time I, anyway to write the book, but it yeah. is every aspect of the novel from start to finish, editor, cover designer, marketing. It's it's a lot, isn't it? Mm. And hats off to anyone who, who does do it because I think it's – I you know, agree with that. Yeah, it's really tough. Mm. 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 Yeah, personally. I mean, I if I hadn't been – Because I don't – I don't, I don't, sorry, Marianne, I don't know no, just, enough about the, um, the, the technology business. would really, would really worry me. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the other thing that really worries me is the amount of people that a manuscript goes through when you've got a, a publisher mm -hmm. behind you. Um, so on my own, if I had to pay an editor and I had to pay a proofreader, <laughs> that would I would really worry because that wouldn't be enough eyes on for me. So I'd, mm -hmm. I personally, I wouldn't do it mm. just because I don't mm. think I'd be very good at it. Mm -hmm. mm. I've got the um, paperback rights to uh, my first three novels. They're, they're published in eBooks, but I've mm -hmm. got the paperback rights. And every few months I go on to the um, KDP and I think, right, I, I must set these up in paperback and it's just so mind blowing that um, I put it all for another few months. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I'd really mm -hmm. love to do it, 
but it's it's quite scary. It seems so much hard work. Yeah, it'd be very and then bookshops, isn't it? Especially publicity and Mm -hmm. marketing. You know, forming those relationships because you have to deal with um, distributors um, personally, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very, it seems like an awful lot of work for, you know, and some people are hugely successful with self-publishing, aren't they? Massively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, they're quite really unique, really though, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. I'm really asking because we've spoken to quite a lot of American authors and they told us that um, some very established authors – Uh, have decided to go independent with some of their books, sometimes because they've changed genre. A lot of authors are doing yeah. hybrid. Um, yeah, exactly. And that seems to be a real trend at the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's nice because you've got control and you've got yeah. creativity. It's It, it seems mm-hmm. good. I think our issue is that we just need more More time, more hours in a day, more days in a week, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's also true for the readers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying, because there's so much you want to read and not enough time, not enough yes, hours. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think all of our um, TBR piles are, well, in danger of falling over. Definitely. They're literally <laughs> never ending. You just Yeah, you never to get them. to the end of it, do you? Don't get to yeah. the end of it. No. Mm. Never. No. And one last question for me, ladies. Is there anything you would never ever put in one of your books? Oh, that's a great question. Would you like to start, Jeanette? <laughs> <laughs> I'd have, um, I don't think I could ever write anything where uh, something bad happens to an animal. <laughs> I'm one of those. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably my only boundary, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Marion, what about you? I'm, I'm a real bus. I could not write torture. Mm-hmm. And I, I mm. would struggle. Definitely, animals. Absolutely, definitely not. Never harm. I won't even harm a bird in a book. Um, I, no, uh, I, <sighs> cruelty. Mm. I think I, mm. I keep trying to write a sort of um, cuckooing where someone vulnerable is taken advantage of, and I can't do it. I just can't mm. do it. Um, mm-hmm. So mm. I, I probably sit between gritty and cozy in the middle. I don't quite want to go to cozy, but I can't, I can't do, I can't do torture or cruelty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, not that murder isn't, you know, it's quite cruel. Um, <laughs> but Well, it depends who's been murdered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they deserve it. <laughs> okay. Sheila, what about you? Um, so I have, I'm really sorry, ladies, but I have actually killed a fox in one of my books. Um, so I apologize for that up front. Um, I, I, for me, um, I think the one thing that would be distasteful for me to write would be graphic sexual violence. That's just something oh. I would to do. Oh, yeah, I'll take that one too. Yes, yeah. Yeah, me too, me too. Oh. That's mine. Yeah. yeah. 
sorry to interrupt. Uh, I have to thank our, our uh, viewer, David, or otherwise known to his friends as Nippy. Thank you, our favorite crocodile, for being here and asking those wonderful questions. Thank you, Nippy. Thanks, okay. David. Thank you, David. <laughs> Thanks, David. <laughs> Sarah, what about you? What would you not ever put in a book? I can't imagine myself writing a sex scene. I just uh, can't <laughs> imagine myself yeah. at all. <laughs> so, I mean, they're not essential for crime fiction, are they? So, I mean, it's yeah. not really an issue. Um, you can sort of leave it outside the bedroom. But no, I can't imagine in a million years me writing a sex scene. <laughs> Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, what about you? I think I've done everything. <laughs> <laughs> Sex scene included. Oh, God, yeah. Why not? I think I've done everything in the Kelly books. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's quite a lot of sex in, um, in the first Kelly, that's for sure. Um, and it's about it's about prostitution and people trafficking. Um, you know, there's a, there's a there's a clue on the cover. Um, no, I think, and, and I'm sorry, I've done animals as well, Jeanette. Sorry, um, I know. That people Where's my off button? <laughs> Honestly, you'd never want to go there. Um, but I think what I what I would struggle with is the graphic description of children being hurt mm. so i reference i reference people being hurt and i reference horrible things mm -hmm. but i don't write them in real time mm -hmm. so i wouldn't be able to write a scene that is live and happening mm -hmm. about a child getting hurt i think that would just really upset me i wouldn't be able to do it mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, so I think there's a difference between referencing something, you know, that you yeah. know the, the police team might be saying, "Oh, this happened to little, you know, Tom back in 2005," and there's a difference between that to give context and and actually mm -hmm. taking your reader blow yeah. by blow through a torture scene. So, mm -hmm. um. Yeah, I mean, sometimes yeah. just alluding to it is more than enough in certain yeah. situations, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Well, that, that of course, brings me to another question. Sorry, I said it was the last one, but still. Um, what about trigger warnings then? We had we had an episode and a live stream about trigger warnings with author, authors. And, I mean, you're writing crime fiction. <laughs> is it even feasible to yeah. put the trigger warnings? Not crime fiction. Somebody's going to die, Delisinus. No. Don't read it. I yeah. don't I don't care no. for trigger warnings. Um I think if you do you will know what genre to pick. Maybe you want to go down the cozy <laughs> reading if you know. Mm. So no, I don't really want um any trigger <laughs> yeah. warnings on books. Mm. I think you can tell by the cover, can't you? You know, yes, it's co cozy crime has very different covers to mm. uh, to yes. see, yeah. like gangland yeah. crime covers yeah, are different exactly. to yeah. police procedurals and and psychological thrillers. I think you know if it's not your pace, then I think we should all you know we, we're all grown up enough to um, to not pick it up in the first place. If you if you're a crime fan, I don't think you need a trigger warning, do you? 
I don't no, think I kind of agree, um, but I was sli- also slightly taken aback with um, a lot of the reviews for Black Valley Farm had a trigger warning kind of caution at the beginning, which um, I can understand actually in retrospect. Um, and I have no problem with it all. You know, um, uh, I-, I suppose maybe I underestimated a little bit how triggering some of the stuff is in there. Maybe, I don't know. What was the trigger warning about, Sheila? Which part? Mm-hmm. Um, well, they did. They weren't specific, but there is, a, oh, you know, it's, there's a lot of kind of, uh, I think, traumatic stuff happens, and there's a sort of a cult sub, mm. sub story, and um, mm. and also um, the central. Well, as you know, the central character is sort of she's quite damaged, so I think it was sort of around mm. that. Possibly, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I, I've got um, I've got a few sort of uh, issues in in my latest, The Rich. There's quite a lot of you know trauma and damage in that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's uh, an e- an eating disorder, there's bullying and and things like. That. And I think, you know, surely it it really opens up the debate, doesn't it, to how much we can wrap readers in cotton wool, and it's mm-hmm. that whole question, isn't it? How do mm-hmm. do you know, because that's life, so. Mm-hmm. You know, do, you, do you put a trickle on life? Because, yeah, because for me, my book is about one. trauma. So if you're going to write mm. about trauma, it's going to be traumatic, you know. For, for what it's worth, Sheila, I thought it was so well done. It really moved mm. me. And I know mm-hmm. and, I, and I know what you mean because, you know, some of, some of the things that happen to your characters, you know, really, uh, I was so moved to, to tears. Um but that's that's the whole point you yes. know it's crime move. is about really yeah crime is about yeah. nasty things but it's it's also about heroic things mm-hmm. um yes. and and that's the whole point for me mm. i think it's about writing wrongs it's about making making sense of the world because we live in such a difficult difficult times mm-hmm. um there are things that would just there seems to be no resolution, no way of sorting them out. Um, but we can do that in a book. We can we can show our readers mm. a peep into the yeah. darkness. They can yeah. enjoy it vicariously without danger, and then we fix it at the end for them. And yes, we, uh, exactly. Give them some resolution. That's yeah. so true. Yeah, that's really well mm. put. That's brilliant. Mm. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and did you and did you pants that, Marianne? Did that just come straight out? <laughs> it's actually it's actually it's my script. <laughs> and the better than the spreadsheet somewhere too. Well, that means Marianne, you're absolutely prepared for your solo screen time now. And let our listen <laughs> and let our listeners know what's next from you and do a little bit of promotion for your books then. You're the first on. I hand over Thank the you. screen to you. I, ladies and gentlemen, I'll give you Marianne Todd. So this is my most recent book um, in the Detective Claire Mackay crime series. It's called A Blind Eye. That's book seven and book eight, which is called Bridges to Burn will be published on the 7th of March. And I can't remember what it's about because I'm writing book nine, but I'm sure it's it's got crime in it. <laughs> Thank you, Marion. And next, over to Sheila. Sheila, the screen is all yours. 
Thank you. So this is my latest book. It's called Black Valley Farm. It came out this year. It's a standalone novel. And um, my next book is called The Dark Road Home, and that's coming out on the 18th of April next year. It's another standalone novel, and it's set in Ireland, where I'm from. Thank you. Ooh, can't wait to read that one as well. Oh, my to be read while it's going oh, getting larger and larger. And next one is Sarah. Sarah, the screen is all yours. <coughs> so, uh, my latest book is called The Sixth Lie. It came out a few weeks ago. It's the second in my Welsh based series uh, that started with The Birthday Girl. Um, and my third book in the uh, in the series is out mm. next summer and it's currently called book three so i don't have a title yet but it will be the third in the mallory series splendid again looking forward to another book <laughs> for my for my Thank list uh, okay and now rachel the screen is all yours so um my latest book uh that came out a couple of weeks ago is the rich oh oh Oh, no, that way. Um, and it's a standalone psychological thriller. Um, and I'm also carrying on with my Kelly series. Uh, the latest one in the Kelly series is number 11, which is Silent Bones. There she is. And number 12 is finished. And that will be published in May next year in 2024. And I'm also writing um, another standalone for Canelo, which is in the bag for 2025. And um, I recently uh, signed a, a one book deal with Storm publishers as well so that will be published in the autumn and that's going to be a standalone oh thank you rachel it's definitely now that i've started a new job i have to quit it um because no time to read then <laughs> and last but not least jeanette the screen is all yours this is my most recent novel the crew and it was published in october it's set in the Greek islands uh, in on a luxury super yacht. And the my next book is going to be a standalone also that's going to be out in April. It's a psychological thriller. Um, the title hasn't been released yet, but I know it's going to be out April 11th. Thank you. Ladies, thank you so much. Is there anything else you would like our viewers, our listeners to know? No, thank you. No, I, th I think we've, no. we've covered a lot, haven't we? Thank you so much, Edith. Yeah. Thank, thank you. It's been lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. So I will join you shortly in the green room for a little after live stream chat. And thank you again for being here and for, uh, for doing this. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. 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 Until later. See you later, ladies, in the green room. Okay. Well, dear viewers, dear listeners, we do hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And it was lovely talking to those ladies. Go buy the books. Give yourself a nice little Christmas with a lot of wonderful books to read. And we'll hope you'll be there again for another live stream next week when we have a lovely neighbor here on our show to celebrate her new book. Until then.